For the past few weeks, we've been looking at sin and the effect that it has on people, on our own lives, and what it will always do. And I wanted us to look at a family in the Old Testament that I think we can see the influence that sin had on their family. I do not believe that you could find a more disgusting picture of sin than that which is painted in Genesis chapter 19. And that's the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. As we read that chapter, we're left with a sick feeling about the evil that can consume a man's heart. In 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter and verse 11, it says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. The Old Testament is not something that we live under, but it's there for a reason. It's there that we can learn from what they did, how they lived their life either in service to God that was well-pleasing or in disobedience to God, which God obviously was displeased with. And so there's a lesson there for us to understand about the history of God's people and how He expects us today to be faithful to Him. You see, history is something that we learn from. And as much as we may not like history, we cannot cancel it, we cannot rewrite it, we cannot go back and change it. It is what it is. And if we don't learn from history, we are doomed to commit the same mistakes that were committed way back whenever. There is a fierce battle that is going on that is being waged today between right and wrong. I think all of us see things that are now called okay or good, which are defined as evil in the Bible. And so people have literally done what we read in the Old Testament, call evil good and good evil. And we need to understand that God's Word is still the same today, and He still expects us to be obedient to His will. As I said, there is a battle that's being waged today between right and wrong. And that battle is fought on several different fronts. For one, it is fought against a nation. And we can see that in our nation. In Proverbs chapter 14, and verse 34, it says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but, a sin, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness builds a country up. Righteousness makes a city that people, uh, makes a nation that people want to follow and listen to. When we're living a righteous life, we are setting an example not only for the people that are immediately around us, but we are setting an example for the nations that are around us. But there is an assault that the devil is launching against the nation. They want us to, or he wants us to give in and do the things that he would have us to do, and that is give in to sin. We also see another front where that, 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 the, that Satan is battling against, and that is the family. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40, it says, Thou shalt keep therefore His statutes and His commandments, which I commanded thee this day, that it may be well with thee and with the children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. We see an assault on the family as God had it planned, as God designed it. We can go back in Genesis and we see where Adam and Eve were created. God created man and woman, male and female that He created. 
And He intended for them to be married, male and female, not what we see today in our world, not what was taking place maybe in Sodom and Gomorrah, but what God wants is male and female to be married. That's the family structure that God has. And then we bring children into that family and the parents are to be parents and the children are to be obedient to their parents. A husband, a wife has their responsibilities. A mother and a father has their responsibilities. And so do children. They have a responsibility. But we see an assault on that today in our world that we live in where people want to destroy the family as God would have it. We also see an assault in the church. In Jude chapter or Jude verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Brethren, there's only one faith. And many people out there in the religious world say that there are multiple faiths. You believe what you want, I'll believe what I want, and we'll all get to heaven. That's what they say. But that's not what happens. Brother, we need to understand that Jesus built one church. His church. Doesn't mean it's one building, but He means one church. And we all can be a part of that church when we comply with the conditions that God has set forth in His Word. And so, denominationalism is not God's plan. He wants us to all speak the same things and be united and stand strong in His cause. But there's an assault that's out there that's taking place against the Lord's church and we need to understand that. And finally, we can see that battle on the front of the individual. Then we see a battle against Satan trying to get us as individuals to give in to sin. In James chapter 4, and verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What do we resist him with? Well, I think that Jesus gives us an example of that in the, in, in the wilderness when he was uh, being tempted of Satan. When Satan tempted him, what did he do? He responded by quoting Scripture, using Scripture as his defense. Brethren, we need to use Scripture in our lives. If we want to flee the devil, or if we want the devil to flee us, then we need to know Scripture, and we need to have that Scripture in our hearts and in our minds so that we can defend ourselves against Satan. We need to put on the whole armor of God. That indicates to me when he talks about a whole armor that there is a battle that is going on now. And it was going on at the time that it was written. But it's also a battle that we are involved with today. And we had to put on the whole armor of God if we want to stand strong. And so we see four, uh, uh, four fronts where this battle is taking place. And when you look at Genesis chapter 19, I think you quickly realize that that battle went poorly for Sodom and Gomorrah. That they weren't winning that battle. <clears throat> they were losing that battle. In fact, in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham stood before God and he pleaded with God that if there was just ten righteous souls in that city, that he would spare the city. And God said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. In other words, if there were ten people in those cities, God would have spared them from destruction. Now, I want you to remember that Lot and his family were in that city. But there were still not ten souls that were righteous enough to spare the city. The wickedness of that place... And time is no is so notorious that or the, the wickedness in that place was so notorious that it was remembered until the fact or the time where Jude verse seven was written. 
That's how bad they were. And today, when you mention the name Sodom and Gomorrah, you know it, people know exactly what you're talking about. Throughout the old, or throughout the New Testament, Jesus and others use Sodom figuratively to represent wickedness in this world. There are many valuable lessons I think that we can learn about the consequences of allowing the world to enter our hearts as it did the family of Lot. Not only did Lot's family live in Sodom, but Sodom lived in Lot's family, and that was the problem. I mentioned it before, you know, when you're in your boat, when you're in a boat and the boat's in the water, that's good. But when the water of the, that you have that boat in starts to get in the boat, there's a problem. Years ago, I read where a family in Green Bay, Wisconsin, had gone out into the water in their boat and they forgot to put a drain plug in and they, their boat ended up sinking and the family drowned because they forgot to put the drain plug in. Water got in the boat. As long as the boat was in the water, they were safe. Brethren, we live in the world. <clears throat> and as long as we're in the world, living faithful to God, we're in a safe condition. But when the world starts to get into us, when it starts to get into our hearts and minds, and we start doing the things that the world does, then we are in, dangerous, in a dangerous situation. And so this morning, I would like for us to examine the consequences that followed this tragic state of when Sodom lived in Lot's family. And hopefully we will determine that we need to avoid sin and the darkness of this world. And yes, we live in a world that we must not let live in us. First of all, let us look at this point. When Sodom lived in Lot's family, respect for parents declined. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse 14, it says, And a lot went out and spake unto his son-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Here, Lot had been warned of what was going to happen. The destruction that was coming to the city. And he's like anyone else, like all of us. You know, if, if we knew that destruction was coming to our city, what would we do? We would go and we would warn our family. And that's exactly what Lot did. He went to warn his family, went to warn his son-in-laws, and what did they do? Did they respect what he said? Did they listen to his words? No, they did not. In fact, the angels uh, told Lot that they were going to destroy, and Lot went and warned them. They laughed at him and they, they, they didn't listen. And it's apparent that they did not, they did not, they were not spiritually minded. That they did not hold Lot in too high of regard. They did not look at him as older and wiser, and they did not take him seriously. They kind of looked at, looked at him and just kind of, you know, you're, you are who you are. You know, you don't have to listen to Lot. Consequently, they were among those that were consumed in the fire. If they had possessed the proper respect for Lot, they might have been spared. When Sodom, when the world lives in one's heart today, respect for parents decline. And let me just say this also, that when the world or Sodom reigns in our lives, 
Not only do we lose respect for our parents, but we lose respect for those in authority. We lose respect for officers, police officers, and those government officials that we need to be listening to when they're telling us to do the right thing. I hear a lot of talk today about having to have the talk with your, with your, with your kids. As I said earlier, my parents had the talk with me too. I don't know if your parents had the talk with you, but my parents had the talk with me too. They said, when a police officer tells you to do something, you do it. Because he has a gun and he can kill you. And then when there was opportunities where they seen something that happened in, in society where someone disobeyed and they may have lost their life, they would use that as an opportunity to say, listen, that's why you listen and do what you're supposed to do. And they also added this, you go out and you get in trouble doing something you know you're not supposed to do, don't call us. Now, maybe I'm the only one that ever heard that kind of advice, but I'm sure that there's some here that's heard that same message, whether whatever color they are. And brethren, when we have sin in our lives, we lose respect for parents and we lose respect for those in authority. Now, we have laws that are supposed to protect us when people tell us to do things that are wrong and we rely upon those things. That's why it's important. But I think that we get people sometimes... I'm getting off subject here. But sometimes we got people in power that grew up without the respect that they should have for authority themselves. But we're living in a shameful day when I see so much disrespect shown toward parents and adults in general. The advice of parents is perceived as a joke by many young people, and so often by the time that one believes their parents' advice or counsel, it's too late, and a life has been wrecked by folly. God warns us. He warns us to honor our parents, and He warns against disrespect for one's parents. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, for everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. Back in the day, back in the Old Testament, God's plan was that, guess what, you curse your mother or father, then you were worthy of death. Now, I'm sure that many of us today know that if you curse your mother or father, you might have been put to death back in those days. Not back in the Old Testament, but back in earlier days in our own lives. So there's a lot of parents that say, we brought you into this world and we can take you out of this world. And I believe they really meant that. But some think that it's funny or ignore the disrespect of youth. They think that it's funny when they see young people disrespecting their parents or authority. Or they just want to ignore it. They're, they're young. They're growing up. They'll get over it. But God doesn't do that. And we shouldn't either. 
Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. It's very apparent that when Sodom lived in one's family, children hold their parents in contempt and they do not respect them. Another thing that we learn is that when Sodom lived in Lot's family, that there was a reluctance to flee evil. In Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 through 16, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened, Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold on his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Angels literally had to take Lot and his family by the hand and lead them out of Sodom. Don't forget that they were leaving behind lewd homosexuality, sadistic behavior, and total unrighteousness. That's what was behind them in that city. Despite these evil, horrible evils, they could not bring themselves to leave. They had to be taken by the hand and taken out. Today, Christians are told to flee from sin and the evils of this world. And the question is, do we take it seriously when we see the warnings that God has in His Word? Do we trust Him? You see, there's things that we need to flee. We're to flee fornication. Fornication is an umbrella term that covers a lot of different immoral activities. But listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. And so what does he say? Flee those things. Stay away from those things. Get away from those things. But yet we have people, Christians, that want to get as close to that stuff as they possibly can. And they don't think that it's going to harm them. The Bible says flee. We are to flee idolatry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 14, wherefore my beloved, or dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. You say, well, I don't have any idols. I don't have anything that I bow down to at my house, in my yard, in my car, anywhere else. I don't bow down to anything. But I want you to listen to another verse. And that verse is found in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, uh, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Idolatry is referred to here as covetousness, a desire for something else, someone else's stuff, lusting after something else. I believe that that's a sin that's very prevalent in our world today. That people aren't just happy with what they have, they want more. And they see their neighbor, they see someone that they work with, that they have it, they have to have it. And here the Bible is telling us that that is idolatry. We're also to flee for, or resist the love of money. 
In First Corinthians or First Timothy chapter six and verse ten, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Money's not the problem. It's the love of money. And when you look at our society and you look at all the vices that are out there, how many of those are brought about because of someone's love for money? You look at gambling. You look at prostitution. You look at a lot of things that our society has that plague us. And behind those things is someone's motive for money. They want more money. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's what the Scripture teaches us. So money's not the problem. It's the love, the desire. Got to have more. And because people want more, they're willing to do things that are sinful. In fact, as we can see in that verse, that there were some that even lost their soul. Jesus asked the question, what shall the profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and then lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is the love of money worth the price that it will cost? Is it worth your soul? Some people look at it and say yes. Or maybe they think that I'll straighten up later. I'll get it all, you know, we'll work it all out later before we die. And then we'll be right with God. You can't live for the devil. Expect to have a home in heaven. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Well, preacher, you just don't want us to have any fun. Well, no. God wants you to have fun, but He wants you to have righteous fun. He wants you to enjoy life based upon what He's told you you need to do instead of listening to the world. You know, we can look at people out there in the world and we see it, and maybe it's in our own lives that we've seen it. Where we sin... And it looks so fun. It looks so rewarding. It looked like it was going to be pleasurable. And then when we were done with it, guess what? We found out the consequences were not worth the price that we paid. But yet people are still willing to give into sin, to, into the temptation and commit the sin. As we sum all of that up of what we're supposed to flee, listen to what James tells us in James chapter 4 and verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Don't try to let the world get into your life. We're in the world, but as we live in this world, we're to let our light shine. We're to be an influence on the world instead of letting the world influence us. That's what we're supposed to be. Too many Christians today are reluctant to distance themselves from activities and associations that are clearly evil. We don't want to give up friendships because, oh, they may not like us. We don't want to not go somewhere because, oh, they won't be, accept us anymore, so we give in. We try to adjust it in some way, justify it in some way, when in fact it's going to cost us our soul if we're not careful. When we turn away from sin and obey the gospel, we should never forget what we've turned away from. <clears throat> we've turned away from condemnation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there's no condemnation in us. Our sin has been washed away by the blood of Christ. 
Why would we want to go out and try to become unclean once again? The road to everlasting punishment is something that we've turned away from. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. When we obey the gospel, we turn from that road. We're not headed in that direction anymore. We're headed on a road to heaven. Why wouldn't we want to stay on that road? We've also turned away from the misery and the consequences of sin. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You're not going to live for the devil here on this earth and have heaven as your home. If you're living for the devil, you need to change. If you're living for the world, you need to change. And you need to be obedient to that Gospel who takes these things away. There's a beautiful word in our vocabulary, and that word is innocence. And there's something about innocence that's very precious. You can't buy it, but it's, very, it's worth a great deal. And sometimes we don't understand it until we've lost it. We realize that, oh, I don't want to sin, but then we give in to that temptation, and we sin, and we've lost that innocence. I tell people sometimes when they, 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 they want to they look out there in the world and they see things that people are doing that they look like they're having fun doing, you don't really realize how blessed you are to not have done those things. Have you really missed something because you're not out drinking alcohol? Have you really missed something because you're not out doing drugs? Have you really missed something because you're not out running around with all kinds of people doing things you shouldn't do? Sometimes we don't appreciate a sinful or a sinless life. Don't be deceived. You'll reap what you sow. If we are reluctant to leave these things, the things of the world, we will soon suffer eternally. Number three, when Sodom lived in Lot's family, fear reigned in the place of faith. <clears throat> Chapter 19, and verse 17 through 22, And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountains lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou shalt sh hast shown unto me in the saving of my life. And I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou have come thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The angel specifically told Lot that he would be safe in the mountains, but he was incredibly too afraid. Did he not have faith that God would protect him in that mountain? No, he wanted to go to this city. 
Brethren, how many times do we allow fear to overtake our faith? How many times do we fall short in our trust of God and fail to do what He tells us to do? Lot was so influenced by the sinful society of Sodom that he was conditioned to be afraid. And that's the effect which the world can have on backsliding Christians. The world encourages and breeds fear. In contrast, when we look at what the Bible tells us, Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Trust God. Put your faith in Him. And when He tells us what we do or to do, then step out and do those things. Have faith and confidence in what He said instead of what the world would have us to do. Many times in the world, we can see the results. We know what they're going to do. And sometimes our faith, we don't see the results. We're not, they're not physically there. We have to trust God. When we know that we're going to do what God wants us to do because we're going to be rewarded in the hereafter, there may not be a physical reward right now. And so it takes faith to realize that we're laying up treasures in heaven because we can't see it. And by faith, we know that they're there. And so we have to trust God. He was so, uh, Lot was so influenced by the sinful uh, society of Sodom that he was conditioned to be afraid. And how many of us are conditioned to be afraid? You see, man can only do so many things to us. And the worst thing that they can do is take our lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, And fear not them which can kill the body, but also and are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Man can only do so much. Oh, they may torture you, they may do a lot of evil things, but they can't destroy your soul. Trust God. Number four, when Sodom lived in Lot's family, a deadly yearning for the earthly was, was stronger than the will to obey God. Genesis 19 and verse 26, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. What a powerful lesson we learn in the most graphic way. God told Lot's family not to look back at the wicked city but Lot's wife was too infatuated with the city and looked back. That glance was fatal. You might understand why she would look back because I'm sure there were other family members that were left behind that were being destroyed. But God said, don't look back. And through the eye of lust... Lot's wife looked just one more time, and that was one time too many. And she's used as a grim reminder by Jesus when He was talking about His return that He said, remember Lot's wife. And we need to remember Lot's wife when we're tempted to follow worldliness and get a hold, and allow it to get a hold on us. We need to remember what the Bible says. Remember the words of John in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17. through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Don't fall in love with this world. This world is not going to last. This world, as the song says, is not our home. We are just passing through. And so we need to look forward to that day and allow that day to motivate us to stay straight on course with our Lord. One other thing that Lot's family teaches us, and that is when Sodom lived in Lot's family, Sodom's immorality had taken root in their actions. Genesis 19, verses 30-38. through 38. And Lot went up to Zor and dwelt in the mountains and his daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zor, and he dwelt in a cave. He and his two daughters... I want to stop right there. Remember, he wanted to go to Zor, but now he's in the mountains. Maybe he should have listened to what God said to begin with because something transpired that made him go. He was afraid. Verse 31, And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that he may that we may preserve seed for our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on a morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that they may preserve seed of their father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus they were, the, they were both daughters of, or thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. I don't know about you, but when I read that passage of Scripture, the first thought that goes through my mind is, Ew, that's awful. That's disgusting. Unfortunately, the problems of Sodom were not completely removed even after the destruction. Sodom was still very much in the hearts of Lot's daughters. When I've studied with people, there are times that people want to know, is that acceptable? And I always point out, in order for that to happen, what did they have to do to their father? They had to get him drunk. So drunk that he didn't know that they came in or when they left. No, it wasn't okay. No, it wasn't right. And there's been problems the children of Israel will deal with from here on out because of what took place there. But the daughters and Lot had regular contact with the citizens of Sodom. And it influenced them. It rubbed off on them. In 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter, I guess I should get on the right one here. 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter, verse 33, it says, "Be not deceived; evil communications corrupt good manners." Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 37: Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go up upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? What's he telling us? 
when you run around with the wrong people, when you associate with the wrong people, it's going to rub off on you. As I mentioned, I believe it was last Sunday in our lesson, that many times we've allowed things to come into our homes that we normally would not have allowed years ago. Things are more prevalent in our society today because we've allowed it to take place and we now don't even think anything evil about it. You turn on the television and you see things, you hear things that aren't fit to listen to or to watch. And it wears you down. You say, well, I don't associate with any of those people out there. You have invited it right into your front living room, into your bedroom, wherever your television's at, and you watch it, and you tell me that it does not have an impact on you. How many people have we heard that are members of the Lord's church that will say homosexuality, oh, it's okay for a man and a, man and a man and a woman and a woman to get married? What's the problem with that? They love each other. The problem with it is God says that it's wrong. That's not the way the family was set up by God Almighty who created man. And we hear gambling and we see drinking and lots of things that we would not have accepted years ago. And if it ever came into our house, we would have shut it off and got rid of it. But nowadays, we give in and give in and give in. You think that it has an effect on us? I think that it does. When you look out in the religious world and you watch some of these programs on TV, I don't know about you, but I think about this when people are staying home and they're worshiping. I hope that they're listening to good, sound gospel preaching. I hope that they're watching, if they're watching a, a uh, live stream service, that they're listening to good, sound gospel preaching and worship. But I fear that many may be watching some denomination out there and saying that that's okay, and then when they come back in, they're going to say, well, why can't we do those things? And then they're going to get upset when someone says, no, we cannot do those things because it's contrary to what the Bible teaches. You can't associate with those things, listen to those things, and not think that it's going to have an influence on your life. Lot learned it the hard way. We don't need to learn it the hard way because we have a lesson from the Old Testament that is there for our learning so that we can avoid those things. You see, we cannot go where Satan is and escape his influence. And as I've said many times, when you run around with skunks, don't be surprised when you smell like a skunk. One may think that they can surround themselves with evil and not be affected but one would be wrong. We cannot associate with evil and not have it have an impact on us. It was not a sin for Lot to live in the city of Sodom. <clears throat> the sin came when Sodom started to live in them. Notice what Jesus says there in John chapter 17 and verse 15. I pray not for though thou, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. We don't want God to take us out of this world. We need to be in this world because we need to let our light shine. We need to be an influence on this world for good. But as Christians, we can never allow the world to influence us. Don't allow evil into your heart 
and into your mind. We must live in this world, but the world does not need to live in us. If you're not a Christian, Jesus died for your sins. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can do that this morning. If you are a Christian and you've wandered away from God, maybe the world has influenced you and you need to repent. You need our prayers. We're here to help you in any way that we can. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.